Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 395 with Andrew Gant from WiseAnt. I think you'll dig this chat with Drew because he's laying down how you can learn best and fastest with some surprising resources you might not have known existed until today. So you'll learn one, the most in-demand hard and soft skills, two, when you should consider engaging in one-on-one lessons, and three, how to give and receive good feedback. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F395. And while at awesomeatyourjob.com, we recommend you check out some of our cool stuff. One of the coolest of things and newest of things is the little drop down that appears on the podcast section of the navigation menu at awesomeatyourjob.com. So now we've got some new stuff, including every episode now tagged by the topic and competency covered. Favorite episodes identified based on the data from download figures and engagement figures, which you can also find labeled A, B, C, D, E, F between episodes number zero and one in your podcast feed and an index to every gold nugget if you're a gold nugget email subscriber. So you get those summary wisdom tidbits all the faster and and link right into them real quick. That's new stuff over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here is the stuff from Drew. Andrew Gant is co-founder and CEO of Wiseant, which brings the proven impact of personalized learning to all learners via the largest tutoring marketplace and community. Wiseant has one of 75,000 tutors available within 10 miles of 97% of the U.S. population, offering their services both in person and online. Drew co-founded Wiseant in 2005 with his Princeton classmate, Mike W., Today, Wiseant has 80 employees and offices in Chicago and San Francisco, with now over 2 million students that have used the platform. The company was bootstrapped with just 10,000 bucks and has been cash flow positive since its inception. Big thanks to Andrew for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Drew, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you too. And could you first orient us a little bit? So your company, Wiseant, thank you for telling me at last how it's pronounced. That's, uh, my curiosity is satisfied. Well, what, what does it do? Yeah, so Wiseant is an online tutoring marketplace. We have about 75,000 tutors across hundreds of different subject areas. And we help match up those tutors with learners who... Um, meet with the tutors one-on-one. It used to be in person. Now it's all happening online or the vast majority of it through mm-hmm. our online platform with, you know, you can picture a video chat, virtual whiteboard, a bunch of other tools that create this really rich online learning experience. 
Okay, that's cool. And so, well, I, I've been dying to, this is sort of fun to get your take on this because uh, back in the day, a uh, previous podcast guest, Muhammad Mackey, brilliant guy, you know, we were both into education and, and had sort of the entrepreneurial streak. And so we got to talk in one day and, and ended up creating this, this little offering and, and company we called Tutor Trail. Nice. And the principle was, it was also online tutoring specifically for math. And the, the angle we were going for is it would be, you know, super affordable, you know, like $20 an hour sessions. And the way that was working financially was, you know, we had folks in maybe India, Pakistan, right, Philippines, right. Uh, who, you know, are, are paid less than sort of the U.S. minimum wage. Sure, and, well, ge and, and geographic okay arbitrage. It, yeah, if you will. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, and so it was cool. We, we got it working in terms of, okay, we got some platform, we got some people who've got skills and are reliable and can, can execute some good experiences. And we had a, a few students try it out and, and they were having some, some good times. But the, the challenge that we ran into is that we had zero revenue and customers. <laughs> well, revenue and customers are important, right? Yeah. And it was so perplexing to us. We thought, okay, people already pay for tutoring. Okay, check. And this is a great price and people like saving money. So, so why the heck isn't this thing seem to be gaining any traction taking off? And, and I, I figured if anyone would have a great speculative answer, it'd be you. So where'd we go wrong? Oh man, the name of the game is, well, you have to have a great product, which sounds yeah. like you guys had a good product and, and all that good stuff. Uh, it's, it's a big marketing challenge for sure. Unfortunately, if you build it, that they will not come. Yeah. You need to figure out how to get it out to the market. What were you guys doing for marketing? We had a, some, a friend who is a superintendent. And so we said, hey, you know, we, we started chatting there. I went to a conference about No Child Left Behind. We said, okay. oh, how can we get the, yeah, uh, the totally. government dollars? Totally. What's with the program there? Turns out it used a lot of hoops. You got to, right. you know, and be kind right. of established before you can get those dollars. And yeah, we were sort of telling our, our, our friends and, and family and... Um, putting the word out, a little bit of Facebook ads. It wasn't a huge push. We didn't have funding. We we parted with, I believe, fewer than three thousand dollars total, which is a great way to fail in a in a startup if if you're gonna. Right, right. Uh, yeah, man, it's a tough space. There's been people. It's super fragmented, as as you probably mm -hmm. know. There's every you know, there's plenty of individuals who hang a shingle, and you can. That's great. You can start your own business and do your own marketing. There's plenty of there's brick and mortars. There's um, plenty of the uh, online tutors in, in India and Pakistan, that model exists uh, yeah. as well. So it's just crowded and you have to figure out how to differentiate yourself. For us, we've always spent a lot of time on online marketing and have gotten pretty sophisticated there. So that's been a big angle for us. But back in the day, I mean, when you're talking about super early stage, like it was uh, pounding the pavement. It was signs on telephone poles. <laughs> it was, we would, we would literally like stand outside of school and like directly solicit the parents. I mean, we would do anything required to get those first few customers. Uh -huh. And um, then once, once we got the marketplace with a certain amount of activity and volume, it began to have some amount of organic growth. And, uh, but getting it started is the toughest part for sure. So we talk about a crowded marketplace. I think, well, you know, most of our listeners are, are not, you know, founders looking to create a business right, right away. Right. But I think there's a great lesson there associated with how did you think of, of what made you unique, distinctive, and uh, the place to go if you wanted tutoring as opposed to any of those other options? Yeah, there were a few problems we were trying to solve from the outset. One was price, which you talked about, and really from the tutor's perspective in particular. So if you're a tutor and you want to go work for a tutoring company back in 2005 when we started they would probably bill you out at $50 and pay you 15 to $20. And that, oh, that felt a little bit off. We said, well, there's got to be a better way to, in there's got to be a way to invert that using the internet. 
And so that was one problem we set out to solve. Another one was we had this belief from the very beginning that it was the match between the tutor and the student that really mattered. And so what we did was, you know, we created these really robust tutor profiles and, you know, search capabilities such that you could really find the perfect fit. And that, I think, continues to prove to be the right sort of way to create the most value is, um, you know, getting that, dialing in that fit. Today, it's done algorithmically, and there's a lot of data behind it. So those are some of the differentiating factors for us. Yeah, but well, a no, perfect fit sounds huge. And, and I remember we had a previous guest, Steve Ritter, was saying that there is some really compelling research that if you're working with some sort of professional for an intervention, be it a coach or a, a mentor or a trainer or you name it, counselor, and it's like the the fit and and rapport between learner or client and and provider just accounts for just like a, a substantial proportion of, of whether or not this thing is going to be successful and deliver what, what they aspire to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, you know, if you're thinking in the professional context, often this, you know, may skew a little bit more toward mentoring, although I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll talk about the actual tutoring that happens among adults as well. But it's, it's all about that. So you have to have trust. There has to be accountability. Uh, you have to be able to have really sharp communication, be able to give honest feedback, all those things that, with a stranger or somebody that you don't quite connect with become a lot harder. And uh, it's crazy the how these relationships get built and how strong they become. <laughs> you see tutors will reach out to their students years later. They'll have the relationship will still be an important part and birthday cards and, and the oh, whole yeah. thing. Like it, it becomes very personal. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, so that's a bit of the, the story for how Wiseand came to be. And I'm enjoying saying it correctly with confidence. So now what I found rather surprising was that, so your, your publicist informed me, which is kind of how we got connected here, that adult learners, not high school, college students studying for the GRE or the, you know, ACT, SAT, but rather adult learners like, like me and, and listeners are in fact now your largest segment of users of the platform. Is this true and how did it come to be? Yeah, it is true. And it really happened in the last few years. And to be honest, it was something that occurred naturally in the marketplace. Uh, and we were surprised, to be honest, uh, we, especially with sort of the higher education learner that we didn't think would necessarily have the disposable income to invest in tutoring. And then if, and then the, once we saw the growth in the adult learner, the career learner, that made a lot of sense to us. Uh, once we stopped and looked at the broader trends of reskilling and upskilling that are going on with the knowledge economy and, you know, jobs getting more technical. And so, we got very excited about that and leaned into it. And uh, now that's really where we want to take the business. Uh, we, we still support a lot of K-12 academic tutoring, but it turns out that we can have sort of an outsized impact for adult learners who are learning very specialized things, because that's what we do. Like I said before, is really the match between the tutor and the student. And it's very hard to find a tutor for some super specific technical skill or career specific discipline. And that's, that's where we, we're, I think, the best. Oh, well, now you got my wheels turning because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about specialized skills. It seems like almost no one is familiar with how to use Google App Maker. Listeners, if you know, uh, <laughs> talk to me. We, we'd like to make something. So that's pretty cool. So, so that's what you're seeing is it's not, is it fair to say that it's less about, hey, let me help you with your communication skills or your creativity and more about, okay, you want Perl, you want PHP, you want C++ or, or a programming language, uh, more of that sort of thing? Yeah, there are some soft skills. Presentation skills are a big mm-hmm. one. Public speaking is a big one. But 
the vast majority are technical. So I'll, I'll sort of take through what we're seeing if, sure. in terms of the subjects. So the first is the computer programming language, like you just said. Also, a lot of related to analytics, whether that's basic Microsoft Excel or visualization tools like Tableau or machine learning and, and much more advanced analytics topics. We see a lot of software. So people want to learn how to use Salesforce. They want to learn how to use Adobe Creative Suite or mm -hmm. AutoCAD. And having somebody sit down with you, or in this case, virtually, but walk through that, you know, share your screen and, and help you with your project or just generally familiarize with the, with the tool set on, and how to navigate the software is, is a perfect use case for one-on-one sort of tutoring. We see language, ESL is a big one. People learning Spanish, Chinese for professional purposes. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Those are, those are some of the biggies. Oh, the other one is professional licensing exams. So okay, like almost CPA every and... career, right? Finance, you have CPA, you have CFA, you have your series seven, 63, 24. Mm -hmm. That's just finance. Teachers right. have to pass the, the T's and the praxis and nurses have to pass the NCLEX. And even if you want to be an online marketer, you got you know, people want to become AdWords certified and Salesforce web developers certified. And it just goes on and on. And uh, again, perfect use case, have an expert help walk you through it. It, it can really shortcut your learning curve in a big way. Well, that's, that's interesting. And we said 75,000 tutors. It sounds like the odds are good that you'll probably find someone who's, who's covering what, what you need covered. So that's pretty interesting. And then financially, well, I guess, well, first tell me what is sort of the situations that users find themselves in, in terms of thinking, well, shoot, I need some help. I got to go somewhere. Like, is there a particular kind of a, a catalyst or, or prompt or an inciting incident that gets you or gets these folks saying, oh, boy, I need to you know, hop on board and get some help? Yeah, it's a really good question because there is. And we've positioned ourselves and we're quite happy to be sort of the support layer. People do come to us and say, all right, I want to learn JavaScript from scratch. And they start with a tutor, which is great, too. But in most cases, there's some sort of struggle, some some sort of, okay. right? And, and there are a lot of great sort of self-directed learning tools out there, you know, from YouTube to Google to on and on. And we think that's a great place to start. But some percentage of those people are going to get stuck. They're going to reach an impasse. And that's the point in time, mostly where they, we see they turn to us to get them back on track, to get the boost they need and help get them unstuck. Well, that's cool. And so maybe even back it up before they even embarked upon trying to learn these things. Are they going after just for the love of learning? Like this is cool and fun and interesting. Or is it like, uh oh, uh, I've got a new role that's um, freaking me out and I'm not ready for it. Yeah, that's actually a surprisingly common use case. Uh -huh. <laughs> when we, we do customer research a lot and you see people get in over their head and they, they say, yeah, I know how to do SQL and analytics. And so they get hired for a job and they're expected to know those things. And then they say, oh, crap, I have this project. I don't know how to do it. I'm not really comfortable going to ask my coworkers or boss because I said I know how to do this thing. Yeah. So I'm going to go find someone out there that can help me, uh, which is great. That's one, you know, and sometimes it's a bit more proactive <laughs> where somebody has their sights set on a new career or a uh, advancing within their current career and they know what they need to learn and uh, maybe they've been trying to do it on their own and they need, like I said, a little extra support. That's cool. All right. Well, so let's say that if I were to meet up with a tutor to help me with some learning here, Maybe it's the Google app maker that I'm after. Yeah, so, that one seems to be on your mind right now. <laughs> well, 
this. Well, it is just because I was looking at Upwork.com for some folks who could do it for me. And I was like, there's there's two people, really? But <laughs> I'm accustomed to seeing yeah. hundreds and hundreds for anything I might want. You seem like the sort of guy that you want somebody to teach you to fish, though, right? You want to well, be able to get in there. And... Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it's, it's fun. <laughs> I, I really do love learning. It's it's enjoyable and it kind of is, is a thrill. And I feel sort of empowered and, and equipped in, in a cool way. But in practice, it's sort of like, well, you know, I've, I've got uh, a lot of, of highly leveraged demands for my time that I probably, I would see more business results if, if someone else were doing the, <laughs> yeah. this for me and I was elsewhere, but, but I would have fun. Doing it. Similarly with Photoshop, I'm not great at it, but it's really fun. That's fun, right? And, and so it's like, oh, I could play around with this for three hours and make it look okay. Or I could have a professional use it for 30 minutes and look excellent and I could do something else. So anyway, that, that is an ongoing internal challenge with me. But uh, so let's say I wanted to, I did want to learn the skill. And so w- what have you discovered are some best practices associated with folks? They're, they're engaging in the, the learner tutor uh, relationship and they're, they're after maximum improvement. Uh, what are some of the, the key things they need to make sure to, to do or not do? Certainly I would say on the front end, invest in finding the right expert. So our whole product is designed around giving you the opportunity to interact and, and ask questions with a variety of tutors before making your decision, mm-hmm. before making any sort of commitment or payment. That's really important because you got to find someone, not just that has the right skill set, but like we said before, that that matches your learning style. We know everyone learns differently and every tutor teaches differently. And beyond that, I think you do have to make a commitment. You know, it's not a silver bullet. It's not 30 minutes of, of tutoring and you're going to have a concept mastered. But we, on average, we see people using between eight and 12 hours. Um, really? Yeah. So it's a lot, but it's not, you don't, you know, need to spend thousands of dollars necessarily to get a lot of value out of a tutoring relationship. Well, well that's cool. Cause, cause I recall from my, my tutor trail research back in the day that in order to show statistically significant gains above what, what they just expect for, you know, now normal growth and, and course work as you're, you age, like, you know, Hey, now you're halfway through fifth grade. So you should be smarter just from your classes. Like the minimum effective dosage, it was, it was substantial. Like it was well over 20 hours in terms of, of programs that could prove and, and show the results. But in, in the context of a super specific professional skill, you're saying you can get some some real gains in eight to twelve hours. Yeah, and and the skills specific, but also the the in, intervention, if you will, or the the actual like dialogue is 100 percent personalized and customized for you. Here's the exact thing in the app builder where I'm hung up. So you go right to it. Whereas if you're watching a video or taking a course or a class, like you know, there's so much wasted time until you get to that part you need. Tutor comes in and you go, you put your finger right on the issue where you're struggling, and you go from there. So it's just, yeah. it's very efficient in that sense. That's cool. So you say pick the right person and, and match your learning style. How do you think about the segmentation of, of learning styles? Yeah. So, you know, we, we don't profess to be the learning experts. Uh-huh. <laughs> so our whole approach is let's get the experts and let's help make them available and accessible to the learners. Uh, that being said, you know, we, we know that a lot of uh, students respond better to visual learning. And so when you look at our online platform, it's designed with that in mind where you can bring in uh, diagrams, you can use the white, the virtual whiteboard as a drawing tool, all that sort of thing. There's a lot that happens between the tutoring sessions, right? It's, it, there's this homework aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big aspect of it as well. 
Certainly, yes. And I've, I've seen that as I've done coaching, that, that those who pursue their homework diligently in between sessions tend to, no surprise, I've learned this lesson from piano back in the day, like they advance the quickest, you know, when, when they really make the time for the, the homework in between. Right. It's this, it's sort of this back and forth like ping pong game where, you know, you have to wrestle with something uh, mm-hmm. on your own. Then you go get the tutor comes in and, and sort of helps you tune it up and figure out where you're doing well and not so well. And you go back and wrestle with it some more and, and you go back and forth is, is what we see happening. Yeah. Understood. Well, so those are some of the best practices. What, what are some of the, the worst practices? The worst practices? Well, certainly <laughs> there's a whole market around this, but we try to avoid it, which is I have a test tomorrow Oh, <laughs> and, or, um, you know, this is last, last minute uh-huh. and, uh, our tutors hate it because they know they're not setting the student up. They're not setting themselves up for success. I have two hours and I need to learn all this material. And so you'll actually see this when the tutors and students are interacting with one another. Tutors will say, hey, like, what are your goals? What's your timeline? And they want to make sure that the student has realistic expectations. So give yourself plenty of time. Yeah. Okay, certainly. So plenty of time. That makes good sense. Anything else? Worst practices. To the use case before when you take a job and you act like you know stuff and you and you don't, and then you have to scramble to backfill your, your knowledge, I, w- I would suggest that you know, that may not be a best practice. Oh, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least start before they give you the offer. <laughs> it's like, or you get the offer before your first day of work. Maybe that, that little interim window would be good as opposed to before you're found out. Okay, cool. And so, well, tell me anything else you want to talk about learning, tutoring, one-on-one growth development, how it's done well before we sort of shift into your favorite things. Yeah, I think I mean, as I'm thinking about the learner or the the listeners who are all on their sort of learning journeys, you know, we talk a lot about that among our employees. We have about 75 people. And in terms of the culture we're trying to create, and in fact, our number one core value at Wisehand is always be learning. And, and mm. we've dug into that a lot. And um, for us, it kind of breaks down into a few component pieces. One is giving and receiving feedback is yeah. critical. It has to be direct, timely, and actionable. Uh, another thing we talk a lot about, and, and in fact, Karen Martin, who you had on the show a few days ago, talked about this. Uh, she said people who act like they know everything and know all the answers or think they do is actually a form of arrogance. And mm-hmm. the way we talk about it is sort of the opposite, which we say, in order to learn, you have to have some amount of humility. You have to be able to say, I don't know that. I don't know how to do this. This is a bit out of my comfort zone. That's that's step one, which is a, a huge component. We also talk a lot about learning from your mistakes and failures. And we relate this back to our users, our tutors and our students as well. It's like the most, some of the most high impact time between a tutor and a, and a learner is is when the, the learner comes back with, let's say in an academic sense, like a bad test, right? And mm-hmm. what do you do? You go through every one you got wrong in detail and you learn from that. And and we, you know, we really preach that about a project that misses a deadline or, you know, an investment that doesn't have the expected results. And, you know, that's okay. It's going to happen. In fact, it's going to happen more often than not. But the key thing is to go back through that and diagnose it and learn from it. Well, the feedback is, is a recurring theme on the show. And so I'd love to get your take in terms of, how do you, you've given some perspectives for what makes feedback great in terms of it's direct, it's, it's actionable and, and such. So I'm wondering if feedback is not normative in a certain culture, and it's often not, how do you recommend folks make the request for it and, and keep it coming? Yeah, it's, it's hard, right? It's mm-hmm. hard to give really direct feedback sometimes. It's hard to receive it sometimes. It really revolves around trust. So getting to know your coworkers, um, understanding sort of that 
and, and giving them the benefit of the doubt that we're all here because we're, you know, we have the same agenda, which is we're trying to accomplish our the company goals. We're trying to advance. And the way we do that is by helping each other. So really framing it as like, we talk about it as terms of uh, if you're a team and this is, you're looking out for your teammate, this is a way to have your teammates back is mm-hmm. by making sure that they, you know, you're sort of a second set of eyes and ears um, for one another. Yeah, that's good. And that, I think that helps people sort of frame it as not this tough conversation where I'm, you know, criticizing somebody. It's like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually looking out for them. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to receiving it, how do you do it? Well, again, I think it starts with, you have to, you have to believe that it's coming from a good place. And the opposite of that obviously would be being defensive or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So I think asking questions, like trying to really understand it, even if it doesn't sound right at first, instead of going into defensive mode, like, help me, help me understand that a little bit more. You, you know, you said this one thing, can you try saying it a different way? Absolutely. Yeah. I think examples make, uh, make all the difference. And, and it's a real, it's a real shame when, when, if the only feedback that exists is what is on the um, annual review and it's, oh, yeah. it's more like perfunctory in terms of, Oh, I'm going to click these boxes and boom, all done. So not ideal or cool. Well, if anything else you want to share, or shall we hear about some of your favorite things? <laughs> Let's go into favorite things. All right. All right. Now away we go. Can you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Oh man. So we have in large letters on our office wall <laughs> a quote from Benjamin Franklin that I, I resonates a lot with me, which is an investment in knowledge pays the highest return. And uh obviously we like to think that is true because that's what our customers are investing in. And um I think from my experience as a tutor, and I would imagine this is is true from your experience as a coach. Uh, the one-on-one teacher and learner dynamic is just so powerful, especially when you when you get it right between the fit. And uh, so I believe very strongly that that is uh, the highest return. Mm. Yeah, that is a fine quote by uh, an authority. So I'm sure I will place that somewhere <laughs> in the future. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? In the uh, academic tutoring context, there's a study from the 1980s called Bloom's Two Sigma study. Have you ever heard of this? I've heard of Bloom. Is this the taxonomy person? This, he's, totally done a, he's done a variety of things. <laughs> uh, so this particular study was comparing different types of learning, and one of them was one-on-one. Uh-huh. And was if you ac- ask like any academic researcher, they'll all say this is sort of, they, it is now accepted as a truth that one-on-one tutoring is, is the most effective way to learn. And in this case, he proved two, two standard deviations above sort of the norm um, of other types of learning. And so now if you take that as a truth, you say, okay, well, if we know one-on-one tutoring is the best way to learn, fine, but how do we scale it? Right. No. <laughs> because it's inherently expensive. There's a person on the other side of this and you see a lot of different approaches in terms of using AI and they talk about, you know, tutor robots in the sky. Mm. And, <laughs> and, uh, our approach has been how, you know, how do we make it more accessible and more affordable with real people? Mm-hmm. And, um, but it all, it all comes back to that belief. And I think that, that again is, is commonly universally accepted among academic folk in, uh, that one-on-one tutoring is the best way to learn. Oh, thank you. And how about a favorite book? Favorite book. I thought you were going to ask me a business book. So I thought you can of, be business. I thought about a business you can give us book. <laughs> favorite business, favorite fiction. We well, we can do it all. A book we've been using a lot lately at, uh, as we're working through strategy is a book called Plain to Win. that gives you a really mm-hmm. nice, actionable strategy framework. So I would definitely recommend people check that out. Now, is that, I think again, that mixed up with the Jack Welsh book. Is that? It's not Jack Welsh. Right. Yeah. It's I think uh, just about winning is, is Jack Welsh. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Okay. 
Cool. And so what are some of the, the provocative takeaways from that? Well, it's very simple. And the, the first piece that, you know, is uh, have a winning aspiration. Like what mm-hmm. is, that's where you start. What does it mean to win? Um, and you sit back and you ask, well, like, of course we want to grow the business, but like, how are you going to know when you got there? Right? Yeah. What is, what is the outcome? And they, they do a really good job of probing and make you realize, man, like, I don't even know what we're playing for. <laughs> and then the second part is, well, what's your playing field where, you know, you get to define your own playing field yeah. and which is a cool concept. It's like, uh, and you know, where are you going to compete? Where are you strong? Where are you not strong? And it, it sort of goes through these five steps from there. Cool. And how about a favorite tool, something you use that helps you be awesome at your job? A favorite tool that I, I mean, I'm a huge Google uh-huh. <laughs> suite user. Yeah. Um, a Google app maker would enhance. Right. Me. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah, lots of, lots of docs and, uh, and whatnot. I think the the fact that you, all that stuff is obviously in the cloud and you can use your phone is, uh, mm. I mean, good and bad, right? You mm. can access your work from anywhere, but I think, uh, that's an, you know, and that's a whole another conversation I, I suppose is, uh, sort of where, where remote work is headed. And have you had people on the show talking about that? You know, a little bit, I'd say, I don't know if we know, have a consensus opinion <laughs> on, on the, on the future. Well, now, now you got me intrigued. What, what, you got the answer, Drew, you'd lay it on us. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I just think it goes back to what we've been talking about, about feedback and about learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have, I think, I think the technology is there to support it for sure now in terms of the tools, which is what, how we got on this topic, but you have to double down on things like feedback and communication and uh, it becomes that much harder. So we've had some mixed experiences. We had an office in San Francisco Mm -hmm. uh, that didn't work out, um, but now we are, we have a fairly flexible remote work policy that is working out. And so it's, uh, it's not easy, but I think it's doable. And, And in terms of accessing the best talent, which at the end of the day, your, your company is mm-hmm. really just a sum of, of the, you know, well, the talent, the best talent in Chicago right here. Yeah. But even in Chicago, <laughs> you want to, I mean, you live in Naperville <laughs> coming into the office every day. Oh yeah. That is, it's a grind. That, that is as far away, you know, but that is, we did not buy a home in Naperville, uh, largely for, for that reason. Uh, even though Naperville's got a lot going for it. Yeah, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to hit on Naperville, but downtown. Yeah, it's I, wonderful. If you're commuting into Chicago, uh, you spent, you spent a lot of time. Not, okay. So let's see, that was the, the tool. So can we talk about a favorite habit? Something helps you be awesome at your job. Favorite habit? I would say exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not well, exactly like a, got some guns. I'm not exactly you're, a picture of fitness necessarily, uh-huh. but what I think what that does for your mind uh, is uh, just clearing your mind is a huge part of being able to get the most out of your day. And is there a particular workout focus or a time of day that you zero in on? Yeah, I have. I have a very modest home gym and oh, cool. uh, try to take you know do that in the morning um, before work. That is one of my, my dreams for this home is turning. I see a treadmill right here. We got a treadmill right here and I use it. I really do use it just about every day, especially when it's uh, snowy and nasty out, you know, in the winter. But yeah, I I hope to turn the laundry room into also a, a little home gym with a bench and you don't need much. I think a squat rack is really what makes the difference between a true gym and a, and a non-true gym. Even though I hate squats, <laughs> if I had a bound rack, I would do them more. I think as a general rule, like the more you hate it, it's probably the better. Oh, the better probably, the exercise. It just <laughs> takes it out of me and um, and hurts the next day so much. So okay, that's habit. And how about uh, is there a key nugget you tend to share with your your team or, or others that really seems to connect, resonate, they quote it back to you often? A key nugget, w- one that we have some fun with that. It's sort of like 
I think we all, we mean it when we say it, but we realize it's not necessarily like, you know, the most diplomatic or as we often say, don't, let's not confuse effort with results. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you can get, you know, you can, sometimes you can deceive yourself into thinking all the activity is, is productive, but it kind of goes back to the winning aspiration. What are you, what are you actually trying to achieve? What are your goals? And, and is the activity actually moving you forward? And, and if not, uh, it's kind of like works, work smarter, not harder as well. Yeah. Uh, two things that we talk about. Well, no, that was a great distinction not to confuse effort with results because I remember my buddy Ronnie, when he was, you know, doing his, some intense football training, he even wrote in huge letters, effort equals results. And that might be true in the sense of if you push yourself harder in a physical training endeavor, so long as you recover wisely, then maybe effort equals results. But in, in sort of knowledge work, effort may or may not equal results and it may equal a smidge of results or, you know, 20 times that sure. know, per hour. Absolutely. And that we bring it back to business to our, you know, the, our just conviction and tutoring and the impact and power of, of that form of learning is you can be spending hours and hours and hours watching a video on YouTube. That's not working smarter, right? Is, um, whereas we think it, in, for many cases, hire an expert, that's, you're going to get to the, going to get to the results a lot faster. Yeah, that's good. And if folks want to learn more, or get in touch with you. Where would you find them? Uh, wisenet.com, download mm-hmm. the app. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. So it'd be uh, always fun to connect with folks. Sure thing. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Just always be learning and uh, recognize it's hard. Learning's a hard thing, It's uh, but it's rewarding. And so, and uh, sometimes I think people shy away from it because it, it's hard. It's like, oh, well, I must not be good at this thing. Mm-hmm. And But just know that, that that's part of it. And that's what I think makes it worthwhile. Oh, totally. Well, Drew, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you and, and good luck. And I hope you equip all the more uh, adult learners in, in the years to come and you know keep on rocking. All right, thanks. For me, the biggest slash most surprising takeaway from this conversation with Drew was that eight to 12 hours is the typical amount of time someone engages a tutor, which is cool because it doesn't take dozens upon dozens of hours, it's just one dozen or less than a dozen hours to make a breakthrough. And that just gets me thinking to all those times I'm trying to do something and it's kind of frustrating. I'm getting stuck and I'm pretty sure there's got to be a simpler, easier way to do this, but it's kind of eluding me and I'm a little stuck. And it, some things that come to mind are when I'm like assembling furniture, like there's no way that makes sense. But if I could see a video, it's like, oh, okay, like that. But sometimes a video doesn't exist. So you might get a, a master a handy person <laughs> to uh, to coach you through the video. Or if it's I'm doing some, uh, I tried to learn Apple Script, which I, I have pulled off some things in terms of automating and accelerating some stuff using the language. But there have been a few times it's like, wait a minute, there's got to be a simpler way I can just make it say no, push the right mouse button. <laughs> like, where do I, how do I do that? And then so if you can get past those stuck points, that's cool. Or once I was learning up, page maker or InDesign, I was like, how do I shove the stuff into the page? Like I got a bunch of text from a file and I want to stick it there. It seems pretty fundamental, foundational, but what is it called? Not insert. Oh, it's called place. Like like those little things. So I think it makes sense that if you just spend eight to 12 hours ironing through those little annoying things that probably there's a faster way, but it seems lost on you and four Google searches isn't revealing it. Ah, there you go. So I thought that was pretty encouraging that a modest amount of investment can really dramatically accelerate your progress. And I think about eight to 12 hours of, of their time saving you maybe 
you know, five to 10 times that amount of you hunting, pecking, trying to find what you can't find. I think that's pretty cool. So a nice option tool to have in your back pocket. And even just to know it's there, I think it's kind of comforting if you're saying, oh my gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to do that, learn that, engage in this, you know, giant opportunity that requires new skills from me that I don't yet have. It's like, oh wait, I've got a secret weapon that I might employ. It's wise ant. So anyway. Cool stuff from Drew. Hope you dug it. The show notes, the transcripts, the links to items we've referenced it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep395. If you haven't already, I hope you push subscribe to hear from our next guest. It is Liz Fossline. She is sharing about her new book, No Hard Feelings, how to engage the emotional peace of the whole work world. Hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, Check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.